I am Mark Jolliffe. I appreciate everybody checking out the show and listening to the past episodes. Before I talk about what I'm going to talk about, let me just bring up where you can find the show, podcast.com, Apple Podcasts, iTunes. And iTunes, I, I don't know all the details, but I hear there's some changes coming up with iTunes. So we'll see how that goes forward. But from what I understand, it'll be very beneficial for those of us who do podcasts on there. Uh, but like I said, podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, as well as Mixcloud, SoundCloud, Blueberry, CastBox. There's always one or two I'm forgetting, but it's just if you follow the show on Facebook at Infinite Banter, Twitter at Infinite Banter, I post on there all the time where you can listen to it, who might be coming on, different guests I've had on and such. Instagram, DJ Soundwave75, that's my personal Instagram, so you can bother me on there. Uh, a lot to talk about. This is going to be a guest-free show. I've had a lot of guests the last four or five episodes. I'm just going to do strictly banter for this one by myself. Um, lot to talk about. Dark Phoenix comes out this weekend. Haven't seen it yet. I'm going to see it later today. Uh, doesn't seem like it has the same hype as a lot of the other Marvel movies, which makes sense because it's not on the same level. The last movie that X-Men will be under the Sony brand. So it should be interesting to see how they wrap up this whole series because X-Men is really where it all started. I mean, none of it, none of these superhero movies would even exist without that first X-Men movie. I want to talk about When They See Us, the Netflix series. That is just something else. I cannot go without talking about that. Uh, three movies from 1984 that were released on June 8th debuted at the same time, and I have to mention those three movies. Cannot go on without talking about them. Of course not, cannot. Walking Dead comic book came out this week. Humongous, humongous something happens in this book, and if you don't want to know about it, I'm going to save it for last. It, you know, it's it's a big deal. It's a really big deal, and I'll talk about it. Uh, Super Showdown on Friday. WWE was over in Saudi Arabia. I got to talk about that and some of the mess that that was. But before we go on to any of those topics, the devastating mic controller DMC always kicks off the show when you hear him say this. Yo, yo, what's up? This is me, DMC, the K-I-N-G, the greatest MC in history. And right now you're listening to Infinite Banter because we will banter on forever because this is the only place for all of y'all to ever be. I be Infinite Banter. Super Showdown was on Friday, and it was perfect for me because I was getting my car fixed. I was stuck in the house. I had laundry to do. I didn't really, how do I say this? I wanted to watch it, but I didn't have a ton of like over-the-top interest in this thing. It, it's it's obviously a house show in Saudi Arabia that's able to be watched. So I checked it out. I was stuck in the house. I figured, why not? I had that on the iPad. had the Cubs game on the main television, so... It's a nice day outside. It was perfect to sit here and watch some wrestling over in Saudi Arabia. And it was a pretty decent show. I will admit I don't understand how they don't want women wrestlers over there, but they're okay with Finn Balor having demonic paint or The Undertaker, a guy who plays like a dead man. Um, And I was reading that Aleister Black was not over there because he has too many tattoos and they don't like all the tattoos. I'm just like, which one is it? It's... I know it's a culture thing, and I'm not trying to, you know, rip on their culture. I just feel like it's a little hypocritical that some of the stuff is okay and some of it's not. Um, I just feel like if you're getting WWE, you also need to take the women also, and they need to be part of the show. You're not buying basically what it is. They're buying the brand. They're buying WWE coming to Saudi Arabia, and the least you could do is have everybody represented. But it's the second year in a row they've done this. Women have not been part of it, so... 
it is what it is. Uh, most of the matches were decent. The uh, the best one probably was Triple H and Randy Orton. That one, uh, the crowd was on their feet for it. Uh, people were loving it. Uh, the 50-man battle royal was a joke. I don't know what the heck was going on. I thought it was going to be like the uh, greatest Royal Rumble, where it was going to be Royal Rumble style, where people were going to come out every couple of minutes. Instead, it was all of them in there at the same time. I assume it was 50 guys. I don't know. I didn't even know who was in it half the time. It was kind of hard to watch. Um, the guy that won it, and I don't watch a lot of NXT, Mansoor. I don't even say his name right. <laughs> He's from there, so it's obvious that they put him in there to win it because this is who he is. He's from here. We got to push him and make a nice little story out of it. So that was cool. Uh, it just seemed like it was just obviously wrestling is scripted, but I mean it couldn't be more scripted than that. Uh, him and Elias are the last two standing, and he ended up winning it. So it's kind of obvious. Because I didn't even know he was even in the match until about the last five or six guys were in there. I'm like, who's this dude in the white pants? I'm like, oh, that's that. Okay, I get it. He's probably going to win this now. Or at the very least, he's going to be one of the last ones thrown out. The one match everybody's talking about, and unfortunately, not for the right reasons, it's Undertaker versus Goldberg. It started off okay. You know, Goldberg had a couple spears. And uh, by the way, their entrances took forever. I don't It felt like the entrances were longer than the matches. And I think. That was that was pretty much a, a, a foregone conclusion. That would be the case, but uh, the, the match was it was slow moving. They both looked like they were just setting up spots and then doing moves. And eventually, you know, Goldberg's bleeding from his head. I'm assuming it happened when he hit the post. Although he might have started the cut when he does his whole entrance thing. I don't know, but he had a, you know he had blood all over his face, and, and that was. You know, it was fine. It was whatever, it's part of the match. It's fine. But uh, the, the thing about it was is that he just seemed out of it. I mean, there's a there's a tombstone where his head hit the, the mat pretty hard. And then there's also a jackhammer <laughs> to Goldberg to the Undertaker. And it looked like it was botched. I mean, it, I, I think it was a jackhammer. He barely got him up, and it came down awkwardly. And just the whole match just looked at these guys just here, – here's the bottom line. They just – they can't do this anymore. These two guys are done. Goldberg is not exactly the best in the ring as it is. And to ask him at 50 years old to do this with Undertaker, who could barely move. I mean, yeah, they did a couple spots that made you feel like the old days when, you know, Undertaker does the walk on the on the top rope or whatever. But other than that, I mean, it's just, it's just really hard to watch these guys. And I hope this is the last time we see either one of them in the ring. Let's just stop with the whole Legends thing. And let's push the guys that could actually go. I I want to see more of Ricochet. I want to see more of Aleister Black. I want to see more of AJ Styles. I think he was hurt. That's why he wasn't there. But I want to see these guys go at it. I don't want to watch any more old guys coming back. It doesn't do much for me. Triple H is the exception because he could still do his thing in there. And I don't mind him every, you know, once in a while, two or three pay-per-views. But I I don't need to watch these these legends come out of mothballs and, and have matches. I prefer they stop. And if you want to have Undertaker come out, just the entrance is all we care about. Have him come out, have him, you know, stand in the ring and the lights go off and stuff. That's enough. I don't need to see him do anything inside the ring beyond that. Otherwise, you know, you could do a lot worse. If you want to watch uh, Super Showdown and just skip to a couple matches, you know, the uh, Seth Rollins match with Baron Corbin was actually pretty decent. Corbin actually, you know, showed that he can wrestle a little bit. He's not he's not bad. And uh, Brock came out, looked like he was going to cash, and he did not. Seth got the upper hand with him, hitting him with a chair and curb stomped him on top of the briefcase so that was pretty good uh the Kofi Ziggler match was all right Kofi prevailed I mean there was nothing nothing that happened in this is going to carry over to any other 
storylines from Monday or Tuesday. I mean, Ziggler and Kofi are apparently going to have a steel cage match and stomping grounds or whatever this pay-per-view is that I never heard of. Andrade Balor match was decent. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. The, even the Strowman Lashley one, you know, had its had its moments. But uh, yeah, there's the the Lars Sullivan thing. Can we? I don't even want to see this guy. I'm I'm good with this dude. Like, just please, just get rid of him. But if you're gonna watch it, you know, just there's like three or four matches that are worth watching. I'd say Triple H and Orton. The first one with Rollins and Corbin's pretty decent. Um, but beyond that, it's really a struggle to get through some of these matches. So, um, you know, it's it's a B grade, but I I wouldn't say if you missed it, you really missed anything. You probably can move on with your life and never watch it and be fine. And none of it is going to affect really anything going forward. So there's my take on Super Showdown. Let's get into talking about these three movies that premiered in 1984 on June 8th. So June 8th, 1984 was a big movie release date. Here's the three movies that came out. and I'm going to talk about each one. Um, the first one was Gremlins. And for as a kid, I really loved that movie. It came out. It was a big deal. It it didn't look like fake little uh, Muppets or anything. It was really cool. It had a good scary vibe to it, a horror vibe, but not over the top or anything, not too gory. Really, really cool movie. It, it I remember the second one wasn't obviously as good, but I always wonder why they never made a third one or why they haven't tried to reboot the series. And who knows, maybe they're working on it and I'm just not aware of it. But uh, always thought Gremlins was really, really well done. Good 80s flick. You could watch it now. I think it holds up still pretty good. But yeah, always was a fan. I remember as a kid I had a, a Gizmo shirt, one of those iron-on deals. You get it from the cereal box and you iron, you buy like a plain shirt and you iron it on your shirt. And after like three or four washes, it starts peeling off or whatever. So, uh, But yeah, Gremlins, definitely, definitely a fan of that movie. As a kid, I watched it a lot. I can't remember the last time I've seen it, but it's definitely a movie that I always uh, was a big fan of. Uh, another one, uh, uh, for me specifically, uh, Beat Street came out on June 8th, 1984. And uh, it's a little cheesy. You know, if you watch it now, it's not timeless. Uh, there's definitely a, a factor of it that kind of feels 80s. You know, it's not necessarily a hip-hop authentic movie, but there's so many great performances in there with uh, Melly Mel, yeah, the Treacherous Three doing the Christmas song with Dougie Fresh. Cool Herc is in it. And, of course, Ray Dong Chong played the female lead in it. And uh, Guy Davis, I, I want to say he was uh, the son of uh, Ozzy Davis. So, um, yeah, the, the Beach Street, a lot of good breakdancing in there. The music was good. A lot of cool graffiti art. Ramo, you know, everybody knows, everybody remembers Ramo. It was, it's really a good a good throwback for the 80s. I mean, if you're someone like me who grew up on hip-hop culture and hip-hop music, Beat Street's one of those uh, you can't miss. So you, you have to have Beat Street in your in your film uh, repertoire. It's something you have to watch. And like I said, it doesn't hold up necessarily because of the time and the style. And, and I mean, it has its cheese ball moments. But uh, for the most part, it still works in the music in it. I mean, you've got Melly Melda at the end doing the song for Ramo. Really a, really a time capsule for 1984 and where hip-hop was because it was just starting to blend into pop culture and be a big thing. You had movies like Crush Groove and Breakin'. So, yeah, Beat Street was one of those. Uh, of course, Wild Style is one everybody points to, but Beat Street was one of those movies that it, it started to get the hip-hop, hip-hop thing going in the direction of where it wasn't just something that some kids are doing in the in the Bronx. It was it was on a film. It was in a movie, and it was accessible for anybody to watch. So, uh, thirty five years 
or Beach Street, Gremlins. And then this movie here, the best for last year, Ghostbusters, 35 years ago. And there, the news about it is that there's going to be another one. No, not that one they made a couple years ago where they had the whole female cast. And I never even seen that movie, to be honest. I know they're cameos by Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, but they didn't even play their parts. But there will be a new movie coming out. It says here in 2020, uh, Jason Reitman, the son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the original Ghostbusters movies, he is taking control of this version, and it's going to have Bill Murray. It's going to have Dan Aykroyd. I saw Sigourney Weaver's on on board. I don't know if uh, Ernie Hudson is in it. I would imagine he would be. You know, guys like Rick Moranis. But it'd be really cool if they can do a good Ghostbusters movie because the second one was, let's just be real, it's not that good. It's hard to watch. So the third one here, if they could actually make a decent movie here, I think it would really be important. And 35 years later, it's really one of my favorite movies of all time. And the comedy angle and the, the ghost fighting and, and all that, it, they tied in really well. It still holds up. I mean, you had cartoons, you had toys. You had, I remember the Nintendo video game. I used to play it to death. You'd, like, you'd, you'd bust ghosts and then you'd accumulate money and you could buy better equipment and you drove that car all around. I, I couldn't stop playing that game back in like... Man, what year was that? Like 88, 89, something like that. So three big movies of my childhood, of uh, my lifetime, and many of yours. Gremlins, Beat Street, and Ghostbusters all came out on June 8th, 1984. I could even imagine if movies of that significance came out now. I mean, the box office would be split in three ways. And uh, nowadays, you get like one big movie and a couple little ones. You don't really have movies fighting against each other. They almost It's almost like they all talk and they know like, hey, we're, we're going to release this movie on this date. Maybe you want to move yours because you don't want them to compete with each other. So pretty cool, man. I'm looking forward to a new Ghostbusters movie. As I'm doing this podcast, it's about 1230 in the afternoon here in the Chicagoland area, Central Time. I'm getting a lot of uh, texts and seeing things online that Bushwick Bill from the Ghetto Boys had passed on. And I'm also seeing reports that he has not. So... I don't know if he actually has passed. If I believe most of what I'm reading, it he has. But there's a TMZ report saying that he did not. And uh, I just want to say, like, I hope that he's still alive. And I, I know that he was fighting pancreatic cancer. And uh, being a hip-hop fan and the Ghetto Boys, one of the all-time great hip-hop groups, um, I wish Bushwick built the best. I hope he pulls through this. If he has indeed passed on, I mean, we definitely have to talk about, obviously, one of the greatest hip-hop gurus of all time and... Bushwick Bill is a third of that group, and uh, nobody was like him. I mean, you, you had somebody of his stature with such a big voice and saying so much on the mic really brought so much to that group. It was a, just a, such a dynamic. You had Willie D, who was more the, the rough, tough dude, and then you had Scarface with, you know, he's paranoia, and he's got all – he was definitely the, the illest of the three – and then you had Bushwick Bill, who was kind of, you know, had a little bit of the comedy aspect, you know, with the Chucky doll and don't sleep. Dude could bring it. He 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 definitely had skills on the mic and uh, had a couple of solo projects. And whenever the Ghetto Boys got back together, he was always part of it. So, man, I, I, I'm i just uh, at a loss here. Just throwing off the podcast a little bit because I didn't know that I was going to talk about this. And I feel bad that uh, I even have to bring this news. But, yeah, it looks like Bushwick Bill apparently has passed or is in really grave condition and uh yeah sympathies and prayers go out to the, the hip-hop community and scarface and willie d and the ghetto boys and yeah uh last winter um cool keith always does a a show here in the chicago area at logan hardware it's a video game place it's a bar you know and cool keith i've, I've seen two of his like five shows there 
And last year, Bushwick was with them, and I was kicking myself. I couldn't get a chance to go, and I really wanted to go and see Bushwicks. I'd never seen the Ghetto Boys perform, and obviously never seen Bushwicks. So, you know, now that he's passed on, it's it's even bringing to my head like, man, I really should have went to have seen him one last time. You know, seen him one time perform. One of the all time greats. What I what I'll probably do is I'll I'll play some Ghetto Boys this week in uh, in some in memory of Bushwick Bill. So. Uh, I hope the reports aren't true. I hope that the one I'm reading that he's still alive is accurate and that he's still going. But it, from what I'm reading, it's not looking good. So, uh, Bushwick, if you're still alive, we're definitely hoping that you're okay. But uh, you can pull through. But otherwise, if he has passed on, definitely rest in peace to one of the all-time greats. And speaking of the Ghetto Boys, I saw Scarface is talking about running for political office in Houston. So lots of news about the Ghetto Boys, some good, some obviously not so good. Yeah, Bushwick Bill, man, we're definitely thinking of you on the Infinite Banter podcast, uh, one of the all-time greats, and you will be missed, man. Uh, Bushwick Bill, all-time great. Rest in peace. So I have to talk about When They See Us, the Netflix special about the Central Park Five. Let me tell you, man, I just watched it. I watched two of them yesterday and the other two a couple days before, and uh it's. I would have watched all four of them in a row, but it was. It's. It's, it's so heavy. It's so heart wrenching that I needed a break before I could continue on. Like most people, I know who the Central Park Five are. I know what happened. I know the the whole thing, but I didn't know the details and to the degree that everything happened. And I, I just found out there was a Ken Burns documentary a few years ago about them, and I've never seen that. Now I'm interested in watching that. But this one, I'm guessing, because it's a dramatization. It's it's a it's in a movie form a series form that it's going to have a lot more soul to a lot more heart and the acting performances. Let me just say right now, Jarrell Jerome, who is in Moonlight, who plays Corey in this, his performance in this, in this series is so great. His portrayal of what Corey went through in, in prison and even during the interrogation stuff and the trial stuff. I mean, just he has to win some kind of award for this. When I'm watching it, I'm just like, I need to, I need to know more about this guy. I didn't realize that he was the same dude from Moonlight. I've only seen the movie once, and I just didn't remember that it was him. But, yeah, he's really, really good in this. I mean, all of the kids were great in it. I mean, it's just amazing. And then the, when they had the grown-up versions of themselves, and a lot of good cameos in this, or I don't know if you can call them supporting roles, maybe not cameos, but my guy Omar from The Wire, Michael K. Williams was in it, and uh, he's really good. You know, he plays a, a guy who's just been beaten by the system and trying to show his son the right way and it ends up backfiring on him um you had Nisi Nash from Rito 911 she plays uh, one of the mothers um John Leguizamo plays a father in it uh, there Blair Underwood makes an appearance it's, it's really good I mean I had so many emotions in it mostly anger I, I still can't believe that the prosecution and the police and state of New York would would just kept trying to push this narrative of these kids when they had nothing to do with it from the get-go. I mean, I don't see how they even came to that conclusion. It really boggles my mind that something like this could have ever happened, and I know it happens every day. Just really sad to think about. And Donald Trump, that dude right there, I mean, he just fanned the flames on this whole thing. I don't, I don't want to say too much because I'm trying not to, you know, make this too political, but let's, I'm just going to put it out there. I don't like that dude. I never liked that dude. And the fact that he still hasn't even admitted that, that these guys were done wrong, they were railroaded, he's still holding by his stupid stance that uh, these kids deserve what they got and they were guilty. I, I, it just boggles my mind how this dude cannot understand 
you'd think the guy by now would at least said, yeah, I was wrong. Nothing. But uh, really great. Um, if you really want to watch some great performances and you're always curious about the Central Park Five or didn't know a lot about it, you definitely have to watch this. And uh, if you don't have sympathy and just heartache for what these kids went through, you're soulless. I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm getting ready to be a father in about a month here, and I'm just thinking of like what it must be like to have your, your child in prison, I mean, or interrogated in a police station for 48 hours and no food and nothing. And it's just, it's just, it's just gut-wrenching, man. It's, but it's really powerful stuff. It's really good. And I'm, I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop reading about it. I can't stop. I want more. I want to read interviews and watch interviews. And, and I'm just so happy that these five dudes have come out of this. Um, they'll, they'll, their lives have been changed forever and they can never get back those years. But the fact that they're all living productive lives outside of this is a testament to how, how strong they were and how, how they were raised. And, uh, definitely if you want to watch something that moves you and takes you to a, you know, to a time when, what was it like in 89 in New York when this was going on and how people of color were treated and still are to this day. And it's just a, a really good series. And I recommend everybody out there watch it. Some really good performances. And, uh, I cannot say enough about when they see us. So go check it out. This is Shaz McKenzie and you're listening to the Infinite Banter Podcast. A little bit of Walking Dead here to wrap up the show. Um, Fear the Walking Dead came back. Pretty decent opening uh, episode last week. Second one coming up this weekend. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, There's a little bit of a connection with the whole Rick helicopter thing. If you haven't seen it, it's it's a very small, minor thing, but the symbol on the helicopter uh, plays a part in this one as well. So uh, hopefully it, it keeps uh, keeps up the momentum and gets going, you know, and Dwight's coming back on the show eventually. So that's going to be pretty cool to see. And it's essentially the Morgan show, Morgan and Friends, as I've been calling it ever since Morgan left to go, go beyond this show. Uh, it's, it's the Morgan and Friends show, but I will definitely keep watching it because I'm a Walking Dead geek. But the real reason why I'm bringing up Walking Dead is because of the comic book. Issue 192 came out and... In this book, if you haven't read, and if you don't want to know, turn it off right now. Turn off the podcast. Stop listening. But Rick is shot by Sebastian from the Commonwealth, and it leaves with you not knowing if he died or not. Well, in the next issue that came out on Wednesday, it is basically confirmed. Not only is Rick dead, but he turns into a walker in the room. Carl is the first one to go up there, and if those don't know, Carl is not dead in the comic book. Carl goes upstairs to check on his dad to... You know, see what he wants to do for the day, and he's already been turned, and he's roaming the room as a walker, and Carl has to put him down. Really powerful stuff, gut-wrenching, gut-wrenching uh, issue, and uh, I was hoping that he would survive. I thought maybe it was uh, like a who shot JR thing, or he wasn't really dead, but uh, sure enough, they did kill Rick. The thing is, I don't really read The Walking Dead every issue. I don't buy the issues. I buy key ones every now and then. But I generally read the graphic novels because I kind of watch the show more than read the books. And I'm kind of caught up where I'm like, I'm reading the comics and the show and they're about in the same place timeline wise. So I haven't gotten to the Commonwealth stuff. I'm aware of it, but I don't really know a lot about it. I just bought these issues because I knew what was happening. I was like, I need to buy these. These could be worth something down the line. And since I'm a comic book collector, comic book nerd, I definitely have to uh, have them. And speaking of comic books, I did get to go to the Chicago Comic Con last Sunday it was called Chicago Con Revolution. It's a new Comic Con, a very small, intimate comic book convention, nothing major. And uh, it was really cool. You know, shout out to Paul Mounts, uh, Amanda Connor, uh, Greg Land, Jim Palmiotti, who signed books for me. And uh, 
really cool uh, taking my nephew to it, uh, walking around, playing video games and stuff. Really cool comic book convention. And uh, But yeah, Walking Dead, it, it's, it's a good book. I would definitely recommend you getting it because you know this thing's going to be worth something later on, but also because it's a monumental issue with what happens to Rick. And I never thought the day would come. Robert Kirkman, the creator of the book, said that Rick is not untouchable. He will die someday. I just didn't know it was going to be this soon. So the story goes on, the book goes on, and Rick will not be a part of it, but his legacy does. And I think that's what they're trying to do here is to show that even without Rick, he will still live on throughout what goes on next in that comic book. Go check it out, man. It's pretty good stuff. It's uh, I thought maybe 200 would be the issue where they do something crazy, but maybe they still will. But you know, it is The Walking Dead, for of course, so they always kill off somebody, but... Uh, here we go. Uh, Rick is gone. And I read that he said it has zero to do with what happened to Rick on the show. My first thought was like, oh, he didn't like how they took Rick out of the show. Maybe he's just going to be like, I'm just going to kill him off in the books in spite of them. And he said that's not why he did it. This was planned for years in advance. He always knew this was going to be the result and when this was going to happen and how it was going to happen. So he said it has zero to do with what's going on with the show. And they are very... They're similar and they're very different at the same time. So the comic does not do things based on the show. It's the other way around. So he's saying that it has nothing to do with what's going on with Rick in the the movies coming up and the TV show itself. So definitely go check out that book. And uh, before it ends up being like $20, $30 on eBay or something, you're going to wish you bought it before. Um, I think there's a commemorative issue that has a Rick Grimes cover. I might have to go cop that too. They'll get more of my money. Comic book stores, you know, they need, they need to make money. I say go out there and and support and go get that new Walking Dead issue 192 and get the one before that too so you could see what actually happened because it's essentially the last half of one book and the first half of the other book and the rest is uh, the aftermath. So yeah, Rick Grimes is no more in the comic books. TV show, still alive, but not in the books. So what I wanted to do here is uh, I was going through some old video clips and pictures and trying to clean out my email and phone and stuff and I came across a... uh, a stand-up open mic that I did a few years ago, 2015, I want to say. thought I played on the podcast here because, you know, why not? There's some funny stuff in there. Or maybe you think it's stupid. I don't know. Whatever. None of it is uh, time-sensitive. It's bad jokes I told four years ago that are still bad jokes today. But I'm going to play it anyway because I think it's good. So there. So here it is, uh, me doing about five minutes of an open mic that I did some years back. And uh, kind of miss doing it. Maybe I'll get back into doing it someday. But... Uh, Go ahead and check it out if you're interested. If not, skip ahead five minutes. There's some some jokes in there, some dick jokes, you know, jokes about seafood. So if you like hearing uh, somebody make fun of those things, then you'll enjoy this. Here's some uh, some comedy for you from a few years ago that I did for the Infinite Banter podcast. I was at someone's house, she had most of the national bread parties. She said, you want some cookies? Yeah, I love cookies. What kind are they? I want some chocolate chip, but they're shaped like penises. <laughs> love some damn cookies. Go ahead, you know, give me, bring them over. I'll, I'll, I'll eat them up. Some eat them, you know, kind of like, more like mushrooms. They didn't really look like bits to me. So I kind of think, well, maybe just to justify eating them, like they look like mushrooms. It was like a Super Mario party that I was on. <laughs> they're a little salty, but it tastes good. They're, they're fine. <laughs> so, we, of course, you eat cookies, you want some milk, you didn't have any milk. So, I was like, well, let me get some water. I, I need something to drink. 
I forgot I only have these dick-shaped ice cube trays in the freezer. Like, For real? What kind of party is this? All right, you know what? I need four ice cubes in my water. I can't have hot water. Put some cubes in there. Tasted pretty good, you know. It was like flat Sprite, but it was still, still nice. You gotta have that water to parts that, you know, to cookie taste. <laughs> it made me realize, like, females, like the bachelor parties, you guys are crazy. Like they have like dick cakes, dick ice cream, dick everything. Everything's dick, dick. I've been to some bachelor parties. Maybe I'll be at one if I ever get married. But we don't have like cooter cookies. We're not, we're not eating like pussy cobbler or we're not sipping on drinks with fallopian tubes. <laughs> fight and beat up somebody and get drunk, have a stripper, that's like a stent. They would get married, I just gave it all away. So I'll eat dick cookies, like I'll probably say it, I hate them. But I won't mess with seafood, that is the nastiest shit. I don't know how any of you guys eat it. I'm sure some of you just came from Red Lobster or something to eat that nasty crap. I just don't see how you can eat something that came out of the water and they put it on your plate and it looks the same as it did as it was alive. I don't get it. It's not my thing. Basically, all they do is they take it out of the water, they put it in some hot water, they put it little rubber bands around its claws. I guess it doesn't hurt you, I don't know. They put it on your plate, they give you a bib and like some sort of hammer thing and a lemon, so there you go, dinner, 80 bucks. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, I'm supposed to do like an autopsy on a crustacean for dinner. I gotta break it apart and find the meats. It, it looks awful, it smells even worse. Fish look disgusting, they got the eyes there and everything. And like the lobster looks like a, a roach on steroids. Like I can't I can't mess with it. It looks disgusting. But people like it, it was like, you gotta you gotta live, man, you gotta try things. Like, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I don't have to eat any of this. Uh, clams, oysters, I don't get how people eat that. Octopus, people eat octopus, that slimy, nasty stuff. It might taste like pumpkin pie, but I wouldn't know because I would eat the filthy motherfucker. I mean it looks disgusting. But people eat all kinds of stuff like frog legs. They're like, you know, you should try it. I'm like, eh, I'm good. I don't need to eat frog legs. I don't understand the point of that. Or eating like yak balls or snake dick or all this like crazy stuff that you existed that you could put on a plate. It's just disgusting. But uh, I went to like this, uh, like an Asian market. And I know like that's what they have. There's a lot of seafood and rice. And that's like the main things they have in there. But it's like a haunted house of horrors. If you like a fish, you'd be scared to be in that place. There's just nothing but dead fish everywhere, dead animals. But uh, you go over to like the checkout, and this is the part that trip me out. Usually you'd have like M&Ms and Skittles and magazines about which celebrities are fat, which ones on drugs, which ones fucking Kim Kardashian this week. But over there they had squid, like dried squid in plastic underneath one of those white foam board things, I guess to seal the nastiness in, keep it nice and fresh. And I'm just like, that's not where that belongs. That's like an impulse buy. When you get in your groceries bag, like, oh, let me get a Snickers real quick and put this on the tab. Do people grab the squid and start munching on it? Oh, this is so divine. Ooh, these eyes are scrumptious. I mean, are you, do you actually eat it like it's like a Slim Jim, like it's a beef jerky, like squid jerky or something? I don't ever remember Mopsa Man ever doing commercials for squid jam. Oh, yeah. excitement. Step into a squid jam. Like, I don't remember those commercials ever. It looks disgusting. I, it looks like something out of Alien, like that thing that would go on your face and suck your face and then put the eggs inside you and the alien jumps off your chest. I, I don't know, it just looks gross. And put this on my tab, I'm gonna eat this while I'm waiting for my groceries to get bag. I mean, do little kids ask, you know, like little kids ask, let me get some M&Ms, does that kid ask for the squid? If I saw a kid, like, asking his mom for the squid, I'd like, look, you don't want the squid, what you want are some dick cookies. <laughs> Time for you to leave, assholes.
All right, you heard Kirk Acevedo say it. It's time for me to leave. Thanks for checking out the podcast, listening to my little bit of comedy there. Um, go check out that new Confucius album, King and the Pope. I have it on my iTunes account. It is great, man. I mean, he has some bangers on there. I Feel All Right is one I play a lot. Uh, the songs you heard on the podcast here a few weeks ago, the Icea joint, and of course, one verse. He's got a joint on there called Martin Scorsese, where he does a lot of wordplay with a lot of Scorsese uh, movie titles. So really good. And still go check out that DJ Real One Lost Gems album, djrealone.bandcamp.com. And like I said, for Confucius' his albums on all digital platforms, you can find that on iTunes and Apple Music. So anyway, uh, thanks for checking out the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to my stand-up routine from a few years ago, me venting about wrestling, and definitely rest in peace to Bushwick Bill. And like I said, I'm reading conflicting reports. I've seen some that says he's still not passed on yet still has i'm not sure exactly what the truth is but i can't do this show without mentioning bushwick bill as being a hip-hop fan as i am so whether he has passed on or if he's just in really bad condition does not take away from the fact that he was one of the greats of all time and the ghetto boys are one of the all-time great hip-hop crews of all time so definitely definitely be thinking about bushwick bill so check out the show on uh, all the places you can find it blueberry castbox podcast.com itunes apple podcast mixcloud on Twitter at Infinite Banter, Instagram, DJ Soundwave75. I'm also on Facebook at Infinite Banter. Follow the show. You'll see where the show can be heard and found. So I really appreciate everybody listening. And until I do another show, I'll see you guys next time. I'm out. Peace.